Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, we're back for another awesome episode here. Episode 113 of the Freight 360 podcast. Ben, how you how you doing today, man? Doing well. Week's going well. Um, no complaints. Nice. So today's episode, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the requ- the requirements to be a freight broker, and we're gonna talk about what they are and why they exist. Um, but first, welcome back to Freight Three Hundred and Sixty. If you are brand new here, welcome to our show. It's every Friday. We, we drop on all your podcasting sources and YouTube Friday Eastern at midnight. That's in the morning. Uh, so you West Coasters and everyone else get a sneak peek Thursday evening. Uh, hit up that you know, five-star review on iTunes. We're ranking good. I actually haven't looked at any reviews lately, but they're always really good. So thanks everyone for the, the positive feedback. Share us with your friends too. We love to grow the audience uh, by getting blown up with questions. So keep them coming. You can always go to Freight360.net, hit the contact form, and shoot us your question. We've, we've got a, a handful of them that we've gotten over. Um, so before today's episode content, I want to recap some sports here real quick. Um, so first of all, before NFL, I want to talk about my one of my favorite sports of baseball. It's over. The Atlanta Braves won the World Series this week. Four games to two over the Houston Astros. Uh, so if you're a uh, if you're an American League fan and you don't like the Astros, you're probably happy to see that. I can tell you that I was happy as a Red Sox fan because they beat the Red Sox. Um, but hey, first time in I think it was like 26 years they won. Freddie Freeman, the first baseman, got a got a, got a uh, ring finally. So. I remember when they won the last one. That, I was a big baseball fan in the 80s and the 90s. And the 90s, I was a huge Pirate fan. And the Braves were a big rival of the Pirates back, yeah. well, 25-some years ago. Yeah, right 1995. Yeah, and so, I mean, you think about it. Back then, the Braves, before, you know, the crazy cable packages that are out there now and satellite and streaming services, the Braves were pretty much the team that everyone got to watch because – it was owned by, owned by Turner, Ted right, and TBS is who broadcasted their games. So I remember growing up watching them a lot. Um, and then as I grew up and picked the team, it ended up being the Red Sox just because my family liked them. Um, but, yeah, good for the Braves. Glad to see it. Um, on to football. Uh, the Tennessee Titans lo- might have lost Derrick Henry for this season due to an injury. He's the one that busted – like 100 some yards against the Bills, yeah. Put a TD or two in there, and uh, everyone was upset. But um, so what Tennessee did is they signed Adrian Peterson, that old guy. He's like 36 now, um, onto their practice squad. So might be seeing Adrian Peterson um, playing for the Titans the rest of the year. I don't know. You, just, isn't it crazy to think about? I mean, Adrian, Adrian Peterson is a guy that we've heard his name for close to two decades now in uh, football, yeah. and yeah, so. We'll see. I know they were talking about the season pretty much being down the chute when he got hurt and yeah. they called him out for the season. Well, um, but yeah, I think people started talking like the Titans could be a real Super Bowl contender, or definitely an AFC contender, and now it's like, can they? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you hate to see one player make that up, and I understand if it's your quarterback, right? Because that's you know that's the the heartbeat of your team. But to lose a running back and that be your season, I don't. That's tough, man. Yeah, I mean, down. but back in the, but back in the day, I mean, like even like when Jerome Bettis, right, was a major player for the Steelers, like the whole offense changed without him. You don't really, in some of the like, you lose the ability to do other things because that threat's not there, right? Yeah, and like even if they're not the whole team, obviously, right, it really limits a lot of things when they're that dominant of a player. Yeah, we'll see. That's a good point. It's a good point. It just shows how integral each player really is. Um, looking mm-hmm. forward to this weekend, and I have I have the uh, upcoming games in our show notes now because I tend to scramble to ESPN to try and pull up the right lines and all that. But Buffalo at Jacksonville, I mean, that, they they got a fourteen and a half point spread on that. It was this, this close same spread against Miami last weekend, and Buffalo cleared it by a couple point or point or two. Um, I think they'll do the same, if not more, this weekend in Jacksonville. Um, and then Monday Night Football, your Steelers are hosting Chicago, man. Dub Bears. So, and you guys are favored by almost a touchdown on that one. So I, I like that. Six and a half points. Uh, Steelers, man, I, you can't rule them out. They're inching along. I mean, yeah. they looked pretty good last week. I mean, we'll see. They're making the moves that they have to make. So, And, hey, we're about halfway through the season, just about at that point now. A lot of teams are hitting their bye weeks and whatnot. So, um now, this is when it really matters. Wins and losses truly matter. Hey, Pat Mahomes got the Chiefs back to 500 after the win on uh, this past week's Monday Night Football. Uh, that was close, though. I, I honestly thought against the Giants there, when the Giants were up, I was like, dude, the Chiefs could possibly be 3-5 and five after this week. But uh, they pulled it off. They got, the, they got the win by a field goal. So, um, yeah. That's all I got for sports, man. That's it. You know what I'm excited for, though? I kind of miss talking about golf with you because you kind of, you keep me in the loop on it in the uh, yeah. spring and summer months, and now it's like, man, nothing. And it'll be coming back around again soon. Hey, my Buffalo Sabres are actually like a decent team this year. I might have to be a bandwagon fan if they, if they keep trending in the right direction. I haven't even been following a lot. I mean, well, most of what I pick up is Pittsburgh radio in the morning. It's been mostly Steelers. I haven't even really heard much about what the Penguins have been doing lately. I haven't. I haven't tracked much hockey. I just hear it on local news. But like the the Sabers went from like ranked thirty two to like eighteen or something like that. So they've they've made their way up in the like they're you know middle of the pack now. But it's super early. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. What it's happens. a long season. Oh, dude, eighty two games. Yeah. You know when you're when you're playing hockey in like May, possibly June, and you know it's like, and we're in early November. It's got a long ways to go. It's like baseball, six months yep. or so long, but crazy, crazy. Um, I don't think it's actually June. I think it's like May that they go. It's like May, June. Yeah, I'm pretty it? sure, like yeah, like very early June, uh, depending on how long the series go. Like yeah. it'll it'll make it to June. Yep. True. Well, cool. Good stuff. Well, hey, before we get into the topic, give us a shout out to our friends over at DAT Freight and Analytics. What do they got going on? Yeah, taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners. Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. 
And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free month of DAT Power, Express, or Trucker's Edge. Yep. And there's also an extra link in the show notes for this episode, and it's also from DAT. They do have a a service that will walk you through step-by-step how to get your authority, and it's going to cover all the little items we're going to talk about today. So check it out. It's the, the... it says get your authority today and it's a DAT. Basically you fill out a form to get in touch with them and you know you could talk to a rep over there inquiring about how to get all all these steps taken care of through DAT. Kind of walk you through it, hold your hand. Um, so yeah, requirements, man. This is uh this is good. And we get asked this a lot. The contents in our course, there's a lot of confusion around it. I'll be honest, myself, it it is to this day I still don't fully understand every little detail because it changes um the most recent change i think was in the last five years um as far as what they require but and we'll talk about it we'll get into it um but what what are your what are your thoughts overall on you know the requirements is it it easy to understand for somebody i think it's an easy easy set of tasks to get done so it's interesting right because it's not something you look at a lot once you've done them um so and i'm really interested in this because i don't i haven't had to set up a lot of brokerages right like i've worked more with them or the established i do that more now and over the past year or two but you know you spent the better part of a decade working with businesses that are coming into it going out of it changing hands so kind of for the listeners gonna be a little change of pace like i'm gonna be interviewing nate and i genuinely don't know some of the answers to these so i'm really kind of interested to dig into what they are why they are and just kind of riff on some of this stuff yeah so speaking of like let's kick it off with the first one what licenses and why yeah so let me let me step back one a little a couple steps here and just highlight there's three main steps to getting your brokerage up and running, but there's some sub steps that we're gonna talk about them. And those steps are getting your authority, which is your license. And then there's having the proper insurance in place and making sure you have your uh, process agents listed. And we're gonna talk about what all that means um, in the little sub categories that are below. But yeah, like you said, first one is the license, okay? So you know, oftentimes people say like, hey, you know, do I have to go get certified to be a freight broker? And the answer is no, there's no certification. You literally just get a license from the FMCSA. And ironically, right, you go get a license to drive a car, you have a written test and you have a road test. There's no test when it comes to getting licensed as a freight broker. It's like, if you can check the box, you're good to go. It's wild. Um, so the FMCSA, it's the Federal Motor Carrier, Carrier Safety Administration, has a, uh, a there's a variety of licenses that they offer, right? So there's brokers, freight forwarders, motor carriers, uh, and depending on which type of those entities you are, you get a different kind of authority. So freight brokers fall under the broker of property category, and that is what their license will how it will be spelled out. Um, there's also broker of household goods, which is different. Um, motor carrier, same thing. They could be a, a motor carrier of property or of household goods. And then there's freight forwarders who have their own different type of authority. Um, so that being said, um, you get this authority from the FMCSA. You use a system called URS. It's the Unified Registration System. And they've come a long way. It used to be a ton of paperwork that you'd fill out and hand jam and submit. It's all online now. And literally, it'll walk you through everything. You pay your 300 bucks. 
and you go through like a protest period of 10 days where people can say, nope, they shouldn't have their authority for whatever reason. Um, you know, typically four to six weeks, you're good to go, right? You gotta do some other stuff in the meantime. Um, but that's it, you get your authority. And I wanna talk about the, the household goods versus property, right? You and I had- well, Wait, before we, before we go there, yeah. right? So the URS, right, is the Unified Registration System. And this is basically, is it only primarily used for the freight brokerage licenses? It's licensing for everything, everything? Uh, FMCSA. So if you're okay. a carrier or a forwarder or a broker, you're going to use the URS to apply for your authority. That is their, can, it's their consolidated online system to apply for your authority, okay? Just like if you wanted to go um, to the DMV and apply for a CDL versus a per learner's permit versus your license or get a certain endorsement on it, um, it's all through one system. But instead of the DMV for us drivers in a regular car, it's the unified registration system through the FMCSA for carriers, brokers, and forwarders. And a little off topic, but the same topic, right? Like the third category on the carrier side, right? Is it's people, right? Like transportation, yeah, transporting, like school buses. Yeah, like buses. Yeah, coach buses, uh, bus driving services, um, you name it. Yeah. Like so we have three categories, right? Yeah, property, goods, and people, right? Yeah, yep. And if you, if you literally just go to the FMCSA website, it breaks it all down. You can learn a lot just by going through it. Uh, it's also in our course, and I mean, just about anything that we ever talk about at some point, we'll have a video and blog to go along with it. So you can always just sift through our library if you wanna learn more, if you're listening to this down the road or watching this down the road. But um, yeah, so like you said though, passengers, property, and household goods, totally different things, right? And that's the reason that they wanna differentiate this. Think about a freight broker, right? We're moving like just goods, commodities, right? Like steel, lumber, produce, right? It's not someone's personal belonging. It's a commodity that belongs to a, a corporation that needs it moved. Usually it's business to business typically, right? Whereas household goods, totally separate. Right. And then the business to business, like sometimes the property changes hands upon receipt, right? Yeah. So also different where, you know, household goods, you're moving it for the same owner. It arrives. It's still their property. In a lot of cases, when you're moving goods, like you said, commodities, you're taking it from somebody that owns it to the next person. That yeah. Owns to whoever they're selling it to or whatever. Yeah. Um, yep. And think about the, the amount of insurance or risk and liability that goes into each of those three, right? Transporting humans, a lot more insurance required yes. versus someone that's moving you know, $80,000 worth of food. So same thing with household yeah. goods. You probably got more than $100,000 worth of goods in a moving truck than uh, you know, a bunch of lumber on a flatbed. And the other interesting thing is really kind of how that faces the consumers in the United States, right? Like for household goods, you have usually one customer, you move their stuff, and that's it, you've gotta go find another customer. If you're moving people, like you're usually doing transactions on an as needed basis. Like I need to go from here to there, you go and find the bus, it picks you up, right? You're not yep. like booking it or clearly obviously brokering people. Now the third, you know, the one that's in our niche, like it's completely different really than the other two and it has its own categories for those very same reasons. Different set of risks. Yep different set of people. Like you're dealing with the same customer over and over again. Yeah. You're dealing with their SOP. And it's good though. And to have this stuff regulated and separated out into these categories, it makes a lot of sense. There's there's no yes. question um, 
you know, what, as far as that goes. Now, you do this and you're gonna be awarded an MC number. That's your motor carrier number. Uh, now, people often ask, well, what about my DOT number? Because a lot of times you'll see a broker or carrier, they've got a, an MC number and a US DOT number. And the question mm -hmm. is, well, do I need both? Um, here's the deal. T technically, you don't 100% of the time need a DOT number. Um, but I'll tell you that the URS, that system, it's, it's going to get you a DOT number. It's going to, it'll ask you some questions and it'll pretty much say, yep, you need a DOT number. Um, last I checked, the, the only reason you would not need a DOT number is if you are not crossing state lines and you're not ever going to do anything with hazmat or oversized or anything that needs permits. Um, but chances are 99 percent or higher of brokers and motor carriers need to have that dot that us dot number right um but not to be confused so to go back with DOT. that's the difference okay so like going back like if we were like a motor carrier and we had a customer and we'll say like we deliver bread locally around whatever the city of buffalo we stay yep. there like in that case, you likely wouldn't need a DOT number. So right? you would not you you wouldn't need an MC number or a US DOT number. Remember, US is the United States Department of Transportation. Right. If you're just an intrastate carrier, which means you're only conducting business in your state, you can just get licensed by your state. So like New York State DOT would issue me in that case a DOT number from New York State. Mm -hmm. no, nothing through FMCSA, nothing from the US DOT totally on the state level. Now, as brokers, we can sometimes run into those carriers that they don't have an MC because they only do California or just Texas or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and, that's, and that's why that is um, they, that they don't have an MC number because they didn't need one. They don't want to pay the 300 bucks or you know, whatever the case might be to get their authority. So. And that's something I haven't looked at in a while, but when I first learned the industry, I remember looking for that often, making sure the carriers were licensed to be able to go intrastate over interstate. Yeah. What to the and exact opposite. What's thing. tough is a, a lot of these carrier vetting systems that we use as brokers, they look at the federal level. And the federal level doesn't always get state updates. That's why you, you really want to do a good job with these intrastate DOT only carriers that are only in Texas or only in California because the information that we have from SaferWatch or SaferWeb or you know whatever system you're using, CarrierWatch, it's only as good as the last time they updated it. And those state authorities can drop on a day-by-day -day basis. So, um, but I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. In a nutshell, MC number and a DOT number. You're gonna get both of those when you apply for your authority. Okay. Um, next up is insurance, right? Yeah. People. What do we need? What's it? Well, first off, what's the difference between? Because I know a lot of people ask this question, right? Like, I'm getting a bond. And is that the same as insurance? What do I really need? Do I need the same as? So like, let's first clarify yeah. what a bond is versus insurance, and then yep. we'll go down the insurance rabbit hole. Yeah, so um, a, so when we say minimum requirement, um, a freight broker needs to have either a bond or a trust fund that has a face value of $75,000. And that can be, you could do it either of those two ways, right? You can either set up a freight broker trust fund using your BMC form 85, which you got 75 K in the bank or in a trust in an investment vehicle right there that that way, you know, that 75 grand is there if it's needed. The alternate route, if you don't have the money is to go buy the insurance product called the surety bond, right? So instead of putting 75 mm K -hmm. in an account, 
you're going to pay an insurance company to guarantee that 75 grand and you're gonna pay them an annual premium. You know, you might pay so, two, three grand a year or something like that. And I wanna pause there, right? Because that is not insurance, right? What it's that an insurance is, product, is, but it's not the way you'd think of right. it yet. It's a bond and the purpose of that is if you don't pay a carrier or there's a dispute, those carriers can file against your bond just like in construction. If you don't yeah. do your work, you have this bond to protect your customers this protects the carriers. But again, it goes fast. Yep. So it's not a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, think about like a bail bond, right? If you, let's say they set your, your bail at uh, $500,000 and you're like, well, I don't have $500,000. A lot of times a bail bond company will get, they'll say, give me 10% and I'll put up the money. I'll guarantee the money for you and you'll get your mm -hmm. money. Um, you're, you're good to go after, you know, all is said and done. But guess what? If you don't show up for court, <laughs> and they eat it. Then yeah, that's that's they're paying out that money. Um, so that's what a bond is, right? It, it, so you do get an insurance company, so right. So you do get them from an insurance provider, but they yeah. are not insurance, right? So now, Correct. what are, what are the requirements of insurance? Like, what are they required to have as a freight broker? Nothing. I mean, literally, just exactly. you guys either have a bond, either have a bond or the surety. The sorry, either a bond, surety bond or a trust fund. So surety bond is on your BMC form eighty four, and your trust fund is. BMC 85. Um, you brought up insurance though. Your customer is gonna tell you what insurance you need. So let's make there that clear. They might say you need a million in general liability. You need workers comp, you need contingent cargo, you need contingent auto liability. There's all kinds of stuff you can add on, your customer's gonna want it. Uh, but at a minimum, you don't need it. It's just gonna limit who you can work with. Says so, from a regulatory standpoint, a freight brokerage does not need insurance, but it does need a surety bond. Correct. Now, why you actually need insurance is on a per customer basis, right? So you need to first ask that anybody that you're gonna be shipping with or working with, what are your insurance requirements? And standards are usually a hundred and a million, right? You know, well, yeah, they, so usually, usually you're gonna see a million in liability and you yep. might see like a hundred K in contingent cargo or something like that. Cause they, they wanna know that if the cares falls through that you know they can potentially go back to yours. Um, some might tell you they want higher than that though like for example department of defense or military or government type stuff you could be you know that you might need three or five million dollars it's it's it gets kind of wild and you know it gets uh very intense and intricate on the insurance level depending on what you're hauling and what your customer requires the bigger the organization that your customer is the more insurance they're going to probably require and ironically the less they know about why they want that insurance they just know that oh we require it so you better have it um, totally different discussion there, but yeah, you don't well, need anything technically, but you're going right. to want it so you can get in the door with certain customers. I would say rule of thumb, you should have a policy of contingent cargo at 100K and a million in general liability. And it's pretty commonplace for most shippers to be asked to be named on your deck page, yep. which is really just the page that says, hey, if something happens, this is who gets paid out. So pretty common practice when you're getting on board with a shipper is they're gonna ask you if you have your 100 and a million, call your insurance agent, ask them to be added to a deck page, you send that over with your W-9, that pretty much covers you. Yeah, a lot of times they'll, they'll say, uh, list me as a cert holder on your COI. So they wanna yep. be a certificate holder on that certificate of insurance. A lot of times you'll see these Accord 25 forms that list your insurance, that checks the box on what you have, the values of it, um, who the, the agent is the underwriting insurance company, and then it'll list the certificate holder in the bottom. So, um, 
again, not a not an episode on insurance, but good discussion. And yeah, you're going to run into this. a lot. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's really common. Let me ask you this. I mean, in your entire career, how often have you seen contingent cargo payout? Like from a practical standpoint, uh, I think once. So here's the thing on contingent cargo too. And um, about five years ago, I was at an agent conference where had a bunch of freight agents in town, and we brought in the insurance broker that we used, right? And he came in and he talked about here is what we as a brokerage have and how we can use it to help sell to our customers. And the discussion of contingent cargo came up. And contingent cargo, just like any other insurance product, depends on the specifics of what's included in your individual policy. Because mm-hmm. you could you could have a uh, contingent cargo policy that covers everything, but it's going to be so expensive that it's not worth it. So the majority of things that contingent cargo covers in most brokers' cases is very, very rarely going to ever be used. But a lot of customers want to see it, and it's very inexpensive, so it's usually worth it for you to have it. So in it, like to generalize it, what it means is if the carrier's insurance, for some reason they find a loophole and they're not going to pay out, you're hoping that your contingent cargo is going to pick up, um, you know, pick up that insurance payout. Doesn't always happen yeah. though because you might not be covered for whatever it was rejected for. Um, so those are the things a good insurance agent is going to, they're going to tell you, here's the best way to offset your risk. Here's what we want to have in your policy, all that good stuff. So, so well, that's my insurance. So rounding off insurance, we are onto the BOC threes and processing agents. So yeah. first off, like, what is a processing agent? Why does anybody need one? What do they actually do? So <laughs> it's funny. Um, I did not know the answer to this the first like five or six years I was in this industry because I've I've never had to deal with a situation where they were ever used. Uh, but yeah, so as a as part of your setup you're gonna to have to submit form BOC3, and that is the, it's a designation of your process agents. There's an official title for it. Um, I think it's designation for agents of process or something like that, but essentially, um, what is a process agent, right? They are someone that can be served on your behalf, right? So let's say, um, you know, Ben, you are in Florida, right? Your business is based out of Florida, um, but, you're involved in a lawsuit in Virginia, right? How are they going to serve you in Virginia with court papers? You're not there. So you have to have somebody that represents you in the state of, or I'm sorry, the, the Commonwealth of Virginia that can be physically handed your court documents, and then it's their responsibility to forward them on to you. So you, you are required to have a process agent designated in every single state that you operate. So... 50 U.S. states. There's luckily there's there's process agent companies that you can just hire for pretty cheap, and they will designate someone for you in all 50 states um, on their behalf or on on your behalf essentially. So that way, if you get sued in Virginia or California or Hawaii or Alaska, wherever, they've got someone that is designated on your form that says, "Oh, if we got to go sue Ben, we're going to hand the papers to this person because they're in Wyoming or whatever." So, so it's, it's really basically just for like the antiquated system of having yeah. to hand somebody a handful of documents to serve them, right? Like yeah. it's like you see in the movies when they're chasing somebody down to serve them yeah. with papers. You've been served. Um, and yep. it's really what it is. And it, we're not the only industry that has this. There's other industries as well. A lot of it, uh, there's a lot of process agents involved in um, international type business. I know, like if you just do a little Google search on it, you'll find laws in like UK 
and other European countries that has the same sort of requirements in place. So that's really all a process agent is. There's a, a form that literally lists out all 50 states in the United States, and it says, who's the agent? What's the, we, they need like name, phone number, and address. Address, yep. um, But yeah, you can, yeah, you can go to like a process agent company, pay like 50 bucks, and they'll just do it for you. And they'll submit it for you, because that form has to be electronically submitted to the FMCSA, so by the time your um, you know your application is done for your authority, they're going to want to have that BOC three to show you've got your process agents, and they're going to want to see that bond or trust to show you've got your seventy five k um, in place. So that's um, that's the so process. I, 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 here's what I'm going to tell you, man. In the current day and age, I think it's silly to have process agents, dude. Just do it electronically. We we, we had a pandemic and everyone worked from home. Like no one's out serving court papers anyway in person. A lot of it is is going to be electronic for the most part for a lot of this stuff. But regardless, yeah. still regulation. You still need it. It's still a box you need to check, right? So final one that we're going to UCR the yeah. Unified Carrier Registration. Yeah. So this is this is fairly new. Um, I want to say 2015, if I have it correctly in my mind, is when this system came into play. So um, during the Obama administration, there was a lot of things that went into play in the transportation sector. Things like um, introducing ELDs as a requirement, this unified carrier registration. Um, I'll be honest, I think the the UCR, unified carrier registration, I think it's just another moneymaker. <laughs> but really what it is, is it's another, uh, it's another registration system to make sure they've got all broker and carriers information, and they they usually want like an update every one year on this. So you're you're typically I think it's like fifty nine bucks a year to renew your registration with them. Um, but that whole I mean again, if if you go through a process with a company like DAT that'll that'll walk you through getting your authority, they'll take care of all this stuff for you and help you do it. Um, but that UCR, you can just go online yourself and do it. I know like. Brokerage I work for every year, they submit their renewal form, pay the 59 bucks, and good to go. It's literally all it is. You could, if you have any updates to, like, for example, your address or like for carriers, they've got more trucks or more drivers, that stuff gets updated in there. Um, yeah, it's just in my mind, it's another, it's another system that, you know. Is it usable at all for like other no, people? Like, I, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't, I don't think so. For, like, I have anything. no idea. Um. Yeah, I don't know. And you can go on FMCSA's website and it'll tell you more about it. But um, there, I believe there was a. Uh, if you were a broker before that 2015, there there was some kind of like grandfather thing where you didn't have to do it right away. But if you're doing it right now, if you're a new broker, you have to you have to register in there. So. So in yeah. summary, right? We need our license. We're gonna yeah. need a DOT. And MC number, unless you are an interstate carrier, you are going to need a bond. Well, no, as a broker, think about it. you're only doing intrastate business, and right. it's all legal. There's not basically just here's our advice: MC and DOT is what you're going to get. Yes. So your MC DOT, you do not need it per the federal government insurance, but you likely will need a hundred in contingent and a million in general liability. What you will be required is a surety bond of in the amount of 75 grand face value. You'll get that through an insurance provider. Unless you, you get will the need, trust bond. Correct. 
you will need processing agents in all 50 states. I would bet you probably only really need them in 48, but there's really not much yeah, cost. Yeah, but the thing is, if you're just, you, you could just pay 50, pay the 50 bucks or whatever it is. You're just going to do all of them. It's cheap. Yep. Yeah. And then finally, the small, roughly $59 fee for the UCR. And yeah. you're in yeah. business. For the most you're part. in business, man. So <laughs> that's when we talk about the low barrier to entry. That's it. No one had to take a test. You don't even have to speak good English. You don't have to be literate. I mean, this is how easy it is. And this is one of the dangers, right? So when double brokering comes into play, you got to remember there could be someone out there that got in the system this easily. They've got a, they're a carrier and they've got their brokerage authority. They might double broker your stuff. They have no idea what's going on. So the other um, big risk to that is, and to be honest, it's also not just low barrier to new companies. It's also when a company operates unethically, like it's been very common in the industry that they'll just fold that MC, get a new one and just move their business there. Oh, yeah. So that's another thing that happens pretty common in the industry when you have a low barrier to really just start a new business. Think about how cheap this is. Like, so your authority, 300 bucks, your bond, Let's say you got good credit, fifteen hundred bucks for your first year. Um, process agents, fifty bucks. UCR, fifty nine bucks. Literally for two thousand dollars, you're in business. That's <laughs> insane. Can't really function, but you are in no, business. You can't. You can't. you can't cash flow. You don't yeah. have load boards. You don't have a TMS. You don't have anything. But you can get in business and be up and running and call yourself a freight mm-hmm. broker legally. So, man. Uh, well, that's good stuff. We're going to have a, uh, a video coming out on BOC3 in a little more detail, I think, in the next week or two. So stay tuned for that on YouTube. Um, we got some questions today we want to cover. But first, a shout out to our friends over at Lean Solutions Group. We got to have Trey on here again soon. I got to ask him what he, what he thinks about his Chiefs <laughs> being 500 midway through the season. But Lean Solutions Group, you got Lean Sales, Lean Staffing, Lean Tech, and Lean Marketing. We are customers of Lean. We trust and believe in their service and, and what they have as a solution. Literally, for about, we, you and I talked about this the other day. We're like, if we had just hired somebody to do our marketing and you know SEO and social media management, we hired them in, you know locally ourselves, we'd be paying about twice the price and we've got a team of people handling. So they use the Nearshore model with their offices down in Columbia, South America, and you get great trained professionals to assist you in all four of those categories at a fraction of the price. So go to leangroup.com and check them out. All right. Q&A. Yeah, man. So Let's see. I'm going to lead off with, how can I protect my book of business when I'm switching companies? I think there's probably some assumptions in here. I would say yeah. the first is... Yeah, what are we going to assume here? Because, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to yeah, answer We'll this, assume but. you don't have a non-compete. Yep. And we'll assume you don't have a non-solicit. Yep. Okay. How do you protect it? Um, I have to coach people on this a lot because when an agent moves from one company to another, their book of business needs to move with them. And they're like, hey, you know, I'm afraid if I tell them that I'm leaving that they're just going to go poach my customers and blah, blah, blah. Here's the deal. Your book of business is worth its weight in gold. Those relationships are what matters more so than which company is invoicing them, right? So have a conversation with your customers if you are going to make a switch so they're not just all of a sudden invoiced by a new brokerage one day. If you're going to move, talk to your customers first. Same thing with your carriers, right? 
Get that stuff laid out ahead of time. That is the best way to do it. Let them know, hey, I'm going to be moving to this other company, and here's why, right? It's giving me a better opportunity to, to serve you as my customer and to take care of my business and my family. And if you've got a good relationship with them, the business will follow. It will, right? You might run a of, you know, the new brokerage. Maybe you can't work with a certain customer because someone else has them or, you know, whatever. But have well, a, there are a lot of viable reasons. But we hear this time and time again that shippers, they want to work with that human being, right? That's who they have a relationship with. They view their brokers as an extension, really, of their supply chain, especially yeah. ones that have worked with them for years. They know their ins and outs, their SOP, the lanes, the carriers. Like, that is valuable, right? That's the value we're talking about. And that's why I don't want to say the brokerage you work for doesn't matter as much, but that's what they're holding on to. That's the, the sustainability of it. And that's also why when we talk in other episodes about like selling a brokerage, like those don't necessarily go with it all the time because the brokers are usually going to be able to the ones that take the business, which is why there's such a back and forth on non-competes in the industry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those non-competes literally like companies like TQL and Integrity Express. I've dealt with these. Their goal is just make you sit on the sidelines. That's literally all yeah. they want you to do. Yep. Whether or not they can retain the business, they just don't want you to take it somewhere else. They exactly. know that they're going to bring someone new in. They'll get they'll replace your business with someone else's business, but they just don't want you to compete. They want you to sit on the sidelines. All right, next, how do I invoice my customer? We this came from someone that was uh, in coaching and taking our course, new broker. Sure. Um, and it's a good question, right? It's a good question to have because hey, you moved a load, now you got to send an invoice, right? That's a win. Uh, but hey, you don't actually realize that gain until you receive money, so you got to send an invoice. Here's the deal. If you have the right software in place, it will generate an invoice for you. So TMS is right. Like we we have a promo code for Ascend TMS. I've seen and done it myself. Generated invoices in there. You click a button, boom, generates an invoice. You can email it out. You can print it if you want. You can download it and attach it in your Outlook. However you want to do it. Um, if you have an accounting suite like uh, QuickBooks Online or Great Plains. Um, you can do invoicing in there depending on which you know system you're using. Um, if you don't have any software and you have to make an invoice, you could probably find a template online. I've done that before. Uh, actually, some of the first invoices we sent yeah, for Read360, I generated myself because we didn't have QuickBooks or anything yet. Actually, I think I still use them because they're they're pretty good templates. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, what's what's important? So let's just break it down, Barney style. Right? What needs to be included in an invoice? Yep. Just some um, basic information. Bare bones. Your customer's info, right? Make sure mm -hmm. it's got their name and their address and all that stuff. Um, you want to have the service you provided and yep. the charge for it. So you could just say like, you know, truckload or line haul, $2,000. And then you want to have the um, remit to information. Remit mm -hmm. to means how can they pay you, right? ACH, online, um, paper check, you, you name it, right? How can they pay you? And then your terms. When is it due? Is it due in net 30? Is there a discount if they pay it early? Is there a fee if they pay it late? Uh, that's One stuff final thing. And only final thing I think we missed is it should have its own unique number so that it can be referenced yes. later. Yeah, yeah. An invoice number. That way it's differentiated from any other invoice. Yep. yep. A lot of people, what they'll do with invoices is they will... Maybe they'll go with like a six-digit number or something and they'll, they'll pick a starting number like, you know... 
4,053. And they just, the next one's 4,054. Um, some people will avoid doing invoice number one because they're like, oh, they're going to know I'm brand new. But yep. um, so pick a number, start there. And most TMSs and accounting programs will let you pick your starting invoice number and it just goes up and up and up from that point on. So good stuff. Number three, how do I handle customer routed freight? I love this. So I'll tell you what I told someone literally today. Said my customer is telling me, or my prospect is telling me that their freight's customer routed. Is it worth, is it worth me following up, or should I give it up? And I said, well, the, the sometimes they're uh, just using this as an objection because they want to get you off the phone. But sometimes yeah. it's real. And I said, if you find out that it's real, ask them who their customer is that's routing it, and pick up the phone and start calling again. <laughs> like absolutely, it's the rabbit yeah. hole, right? In prospecting, one of the things you always want to look is to be able to pivot and ask more questions, right? If in the simplest way, like when I teach this, I'm like, just think about your prospect as like a standalone building, right? Yeah. If something comes out of it, it had to go into it, right? So just think of it that way. Hey, if your stuff's customer route, hey, absolutely. First off, do they ever ask for referrals? Do they ever have issues getting their freight picked up from you? Because just because it's customer routed doesn't mean trucks don't fall out on their customer and doesn't mean they don't leave loads on the dock of the prospect you're talking to. So there could be an opportunity. The final yeah. question I'm going to ask is, hey, so do you guys tender your inbound freight or do you have that routed from your supplier? Because there are still opportunities and they can still be very profitable. And the most important part of asking these questions is, it's the litmus test for me to basically tell whether or not they were bullshitting me, to be honest. Like, yeah. If they can answer those questions pretty quickly and conversationally, then I'm pretty confident that it really was customer routed because most people don't continue to follow up. And you can hear that in their voice usually anyway. Yeah. And if they hang up, if they hang up on you during that process, yeah, you know, it, it was, was probably problem. an objection and just a bad yeah. time. Give them a call in another week or two. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a common objection. People, it's, they, and it, here's the reason they use it, because it works for the majority majority of new brokers. Because yep. the broker's are like, uh, okay, thanks, bye. You know, mm -hmm. and they don't they don't know how to handle that, which is exactly why somebody asked that question. So, cool, man. Good it's stuff. synonymous hey. with FOB. If you hear my com, we're FOB. It's the same thing: freight on board, paid by yep. customer, routed by customer. Yep, and FOB like so. FOB origin destination is basically who controls that freight. Is it the person? at the origin, which would be your outbound controller, or is it FOB destination, which would be, um, you know, your their customer is the one that's routing it and hiring the truck. So absolutely. So FOB or custom routed means the same thing. Um, sweet, man. That's a good episode. Um, coming up the pipeline here, we don't have a date yet, but later this year, Another webinar with DAT. We're going to do more prospecting talk. Hopefully, it'll actually record this time. Uh, we got we had a chance to send out the slide deck today for um, the last webinar that we did. So at least if you missed the five ways to get new shipper, find more shippers, you have a list of um, the bullet points. But yeah, and to yeah. be honest, like we don't talk about this much, but if you are a listener and you've been a fan and following us, make sure you've signed up for the newsletter. We've changed it a lot. We make sure that basically whatever we're talking about, whatever that topic is, we're putting that out in the newsletter, which is going to give you just a few different ways to digest it, really. Yeah. Whether it's the blog, whether it's a YouTube video we're doing on another topic, or the podcast, we're sending that out on a weekly basis. So we're not going to blow up your inbox. We're not exactly spamming anybody to sell anything. 
Yeah. But it's a great so, value add if you haven't signed up for it. I'll tell you, man, we, we've got it to a way that I'm not getting, not seeing a whole lot of unsubscribes anymore. It's, it's basically once a week, quick little digest roll up of here's our newest content. If you want it, you got a link for it. Like, like I said, podcast, blog, YouTube video, anything cool and exciting that's upcoming and uh, check it out. Some people just see it and they're like, ah, sweet, delete it. And we get a lot of people that you can see the stats. They're going through it and they're consuming the content. So it's good stuff. And we're not getting a lot of unsubscribes. So um, thanks, everyone, for being on there. We got, got a couple thousand, a couple thousand in, the, uh, in the newsletter distribution now that have signed up. So we appreciate all of you. Our following is uh, it's grown tremendously. Um, we're, we got to be close to that 100,000 download point. And now. another thing, too, for our listeners, we now have a actual presence on facebook nate and i had been doing it for about the past year and i'll be honest some of it was sporadic but and to be honest lean's doing a lot of it so we're helping you know put the lay down where we want it to go we're overseeing the artwork and whatnot but there's a lot of really cool stuff they're putting on our facebook page they're taking some of the long form podcasts and turning them into you know one and two minute videos that really just answer some of the questions so if you haven't yet follow us like us on I guess you can't really follow somebody on Facebook, but I think you just uh, like the page, right? Yeah, you and can follow it, I guess, because you can like something and then unfollow it so you don't see all their updates yeah. on our newsfeed. I think, but and Instagram. So in any of those places, if you haven't added us, add us. Let us know what you think. If you like what you're seeing there, throw a comment in there. We would appreciate it. Any support Absolutely. and all support is greatly appreciated. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool, man. Um, you know, this weekend, Bills, I think, are going to cover the, the 14 and a half points against Jacksonville, and I'm pretty sure uh, Pittsburgh will cover their six and a half on Monday Night Football at home against the Bears. So um, I'm giving Buffalo, I'm going to just, they're going to get 40 points. I don't know why I'm saying that, but they're going to get 40 points. I said that last week and they didn't, but it's okay. Yeah, we'll uh, any, any closing final thoughts here, Ben? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, I did see snow the other day here in Buffalo. Go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.